0: There are too many people out there living in fear of taking the steps they need to begin to live their dream lives. Does this sound like you? Well, I believe this can make you feel quite anxious as you are suppressing your spirit, your soul, your true self or whatever you want to call it in favor of living inside your comfort zone. And as Neil Donald Walsh says, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. So I have here with me today someone who's going to shake things up with you and help inspire you to take the steps needed to awaken and live your dreams. And welcome, Sue Parker. How are you doing?
1: Hi, thanks for having me on the show. I kind of feel like I'm in an episode of Frasier and I'm about to lie down on the therapist couch here, but I know you're going to do a much better job of that.
0: It'd be gentle. It'd be gentle. And I think it'd be really inspiring as well for people listening to this show, this episode, in regards to the mindset of being an entrepreneur. So before we begin, can you introduce yourself, Sue, and tell the audience what you do
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm the host of the Lifestyle Entrepreneur Show and my core business is building systems for people who want to go online to leverage technology and time. So building lifestyle businesses, basically. Um, I come from a tech background. I'm a woman in tech, corporate career. So sales funnels, CRMs, email marketing, all of that setup is is kind of my unique ability, if you like. And entering into the entrepreneurial world means you develop a whole lot of a new skill set, which is what the Lifestyle Entrepreneur Show was about, is learning with me how you change your mindset, what are the tactics in terms of marketing and all of that kind of good stuff. And and that's really me in a nutshell at the moment.
0: That's, I love it. I love it. And the thing is, I want to dive into, obviously, the technical side of things you can help people with. But what I want the audience to begin to get an idea of is how did you become an entrepreneur and the mindset around being in your position and the struggles you faced being a woman in, in business. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So what did, what pushed you to become an entrepreneur? How did you get here?
1: Yeah. So I had a traditional career. Like most people, I climbed a career path. I did the good job in tech. Everyone always told me I had a really good job. And I very quickly hit, hit burnout. Ha- burn and I remember it just kind of came up upon me. I was suffering insomnia. And then one night I was lying in bed and I had these heart palpitations. It literally felt like my heart was beating out of my chest. And it was my body's way of shutting down and saying, hey, so you need a break. You've just taken on more and more responsibility. I had this mindset that in order to get a a career, a good career, I had to work hard, keep my head down, put in overtime. And at the time I had a young son. So I was I was juggling it all. And I felt like a failure as a mum, and I felt mum guilt all the time. And I wasn't doing that job very well. And I also felt that I needed to put extra time in at work because they knew I was a mum. And it was like, well, you're not going to be able to do this because you're a mum and you've got to do this pickup or you've got to do that with your child's ill. So you're constantly putting in 150% in, in both directions and you are physically exhausted. You know, Self-care goes out the window, anything like that. But, so at that point, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm scrolling through social media, same as everybody else. And I saw all these Facebook ads that promise your seven figure business. And I was mm-hmm. sold. I am going to be a millionaire in a year's time. And I'm going to, going to leave my corporate career and it'll all be wonderful. So I got my credit card out and I purchased this really expensive at the time three thousand pounds business program online business program thinking all I needed was this this course this course would be my ticket I would follow all the strategy I could do it anyone can do it that's how it was sold and we all know this don't we You get out the credit card you put it on interest free interest free and you think it's okay because in twelve months time I'll have earned back five times this amount of money and I will be I will be quids in it'll be brilliant of course 12 months down the line um i had started a facebook group i have delivered lives um, nearly every day on leadership coaching was my first business idea because people used to come to me and i was on this leadership journey i'd actually become a leader by this point ahead of data and i was so frustrated that there weren't any women with me at the table and so you you're kind of a, you're a minority and there's a lot of unconscious bias in that room and i was frustrated for those women so i was doing leadership coaching i was doing women in tech talks i was giving i was putting it all out there all for free I clearly had a money blocker about asking people for money because my first few clients, I would see them once a week, sometimes once a fortnight, and I didn't charge for any of my coaching. I just didn't have the self-worth, that belief. So I had this really fancy sales funnel and I had this even membership site where I'd do recordings and I'd upload courses about how to do your interview, how to um, ask for a promotion or a pay rise, all of these sorts of things. And people would access them for free and I didn't dare ask for money. So A little bit further down the line, we had my daughter and I got a house renovation on the go. So I was completely trapped with masses of debt. The house was being renovated. I was now the primary breadwinner and I was having my daughter. So (laughs) something had to give and I was heading for my second bin. I could feel it. You know, that pressure building up, I was putting it on me, the expectations of everybody else. I was I was taking that on board. And even, you know, my in-laws were sort of saying, how are you going to do all this, Sue? You, you've got all this on the go and you're now having another baby. So we did a typical grand designs. We had our baby just as the roof had been taken off our house and we're living <laughs> no in, this, in this complete building yeah. site. <laughs> And I decided, okay, so your dream, and I kind of, I think about my my mind in these two ways. Now, I bet a listener will probably resonate with this. Like, you talk about parent ego. I feel like my parent ego is always telling me, have the sensible job, follow your career, mm. um, you know, do the good work, all that kind of stuff, have more qualifications, all that kind of stuff. And my dreamer in me, my heart, my dreamer, I call it my heart was always saying you can do more than this you've got so much more purpose so much more passion so much more to give your potentials in there and you're not even using it in this career or, or this life and my dreamer was always like we can do everything I can have the nice house I can have the renovation done I can have my children and I can I can use my potential and at some point I just had to give up on the dream and, and shelved it again and just felt like why can't you be happy where you are, Sue? Like, like the Moana film you can be happy wherever you are and i kept telling myself why are you not grateful for what you have you have amazing children they're very healthy why are you not grateful for this and that just makes you feel even more guilty that's the thing for wanting more so i was always in this in this push pull of i want so much more and i want to do something for myself versus i need to give to others and i need i need to fill this cup up right now so for about a year or two i I ditched my side hustle. I did nothing until one of the ladies that I've been coaching who'd become incredibly frustrated with her career came to me and said, hey, Sue, you set up this online business for yourself. You did the website, all this all this stuff that went with it. Can you help me set mine up? And I, and I just had a light bulb moment. I'm going to help this lady. And that lady led on to another lady. And they both have since escaped their corporate careers, which I just, find incredible. One of them is coaching um, um, data analysts, how to become data analysts. So she now has this business. She predominantly works on LinkedIn, getting leads into her funnel. And then she trains them how to use Power BI and all these sorts of tools. And this is an amazing skill set that was completely wasted in her corporate job and she wasn't getting recognition for. And when when I started that work, it was like, this is it. I finally found it. Before I was just chasing something I could do chasing something I was angry about, really. So it came from a negative space, but also chasing money because I knew leadership coaching could pay. And the reality is I needed to do something that aligned with my values. And I now figured out the the route that I was trying to take, escaping corporate, how could I help other people build an online business that would eventually be my escape route? And I would be able to do that. Now, it wasn't really that straightforward. It wasn't a case of, oh, great, now I know what I'm doing. I can just get a load of clients and and start Mm -hmm. setting up their online business. I then decided I needed more courses, I needed more time, I needed more money throwing at the problem. So I became like an avid um, signer-upper of webinars. We probably all sat on the webinar that shows (laughs) you how to use Instagram, how to use Facebook. And I I had my Facebook group. So I started a new Facebook group and I went live and I invited all my friends to join. And any of us who've done this, your friends join you. They're not your target audience, but they're there for support. And every time you go live, you've got one friend there and you're thinking, there's somebody rooting for me. I'm going to get <laughs> there in a minute. But after a while, it becomes soul destroying because there's a part of you that's still got your foot in your old job. You know, I did, hadn't made this committed decision by then. I'd got a foot in my career, hoping that I might get recognized for the next next promotion because my sensible brain, my parent ego was telling me this. My dreamer was still dreaming of this life. And when I showed up on my Facebook lives, I wasn't getting the immediate reward, the immediate attention and growing group that I wanted to prove my success. So in effect, kind of like, I feel like you prove yourself right because you prove yourself wrong in that my dreamer was proven wrong. You can't do this, Sue. You're not good enough. People are not showing up because your content isn't good enough. You're helping enough people. You don't know this Facebook group lark either. And my brain was sort of saying my sensible parent ego was going, see, see proved you right you should stay at your career that that's safe and secure mm. and stable and I went through this this cycle of sign up for challenges sign up for more courses and the crazy thing was I signed up for another online business course and what I didn't share is most of you listening have probably done this at some point you felt like you needed an extra certificate to prove yourself worth and that you could do this so you start off with Bank of Qualifications. I had a degree and a master's in business intelligence systems. So basically IT and business. Mm. And yet here I was after 15 years in corporate doing this sort of stuff and doing websites for people and e-commerce and all sorts of things, thinking I need another course in this topic because I don't know enough yeah. already.
0: So is that, I mean, that's beautifully led to a question I was gonna ask you about was imposter syndrome. And is this something that you think? I mean, I, I mean, we all can suffer with that, but is something that you think women can suffer with more than men? Is there something that's going on there? And if you, and if so, what what do you think is going on?
1: Yeah, the statistics do show that it affects women mm. more than men. Okay which is quite interesting, but whether that's an, a, an admission. So I do feel that there are lots of elements of our childhood, and I hate, I hate to blame it on conditioning and childhood because it feels like you're looking back and you're feeling like the victim because I've got loads of excuses now. But even looking at my son and daughter, you can look at the way we bring up a son, which is failure, try it, rejection, try again, you miss the football, doesn't matter, go and do it again. And then you can look at what we do with our daughters. And, and I feel very much that I was brought up to be a good girl, to get things right, to people please, to mm. pass exams. Whereas I feel that for, for boys, we tend to have this more exception of they're going to fall over, they're going to trip up, they might fail their exam. It doesn't matter they didn't do their homework or they got a D or an E or an F. Whereas with girls, we take that very personally to be our self-worth. So consequently, that imposter syndrome, I think, develops because, oh, I'm never good enough unless I get it exactly right. And somebody might challenge me. And also, I don't know all the answers yet. You know, the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah. where you start off and you're a bit like, I always think of the teenager. The teenager knows everything. You can't teach a teenager anything. <laughs> they know how to <laughs> run a adjust. business better than you. Yeah, yeah. They can know how to run the government, the country. And you know that's the teenager. But then you come become the student and you learn, oh, there's quite a lot more to learn about this topic. So like when I started learning about neuroscience, this is a big field. I know this much. And when I knew this much, I used to tell everybody because I felt like I knew this. And mm-hmm. now you realize there's so many more questions. There's so much more why, what, how, different scenarios, different things. But then you become the master and you become the lecturer, as I call it, which is basically where you accept that I don't know all the answers, but I'm prepared to ask them and explore them. And I'm comfortable with that. And I think it, it takes a long mm-hmm. time before you, you master something to the extent where you're comfortable having a debate, a healthy debate with somebody. Most of us, and I, women particularly, I think we stay in that middle ground we have a surface level knowledge of lots of things. So we understand there's a lot of depth there. So we therefore feel this imposter syndrome all of the time about somebody's going to know something I don't. Somebody's going to discover something I don't know. And I mm. feel like an imposter in this room. And, and it can be absolutely anything. I used to go into boardroom meetings and talk about projects, IT projects from my perspective. But sometimes I'd be guarded about stating my point because that person over there knows it from their perspective, and they're going to come at it from a completely different angle and, and make me look like a fool. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've I've seen men in the same boardroom speak confidently, loudly, and firmly that their at their opinion is right. That's <laughs> what you should be doing, and everybody goes along with that confidence. We all look to that confident leader, and and that's you know that's to me that's imposter syndrome, and, and that shows up a yeah. lot as an entrepreneur.
0: I really like what you're saying as well about, it's true, isn't it? Boys tend to be sort of, you can roll around in the mud um, and you can get things wrong and, uh, you know, go for it. Whereas, uh, you know, girls can be treated with kid gloves. And, you know, as part of my work, I see a lot of women with perfectionism issues, which uh, that can come from as well, the imposter syndrome side of things. But also it's like failure really isn't an option it really can feel shaming for them. And I've spoken to a few people this week who said they will sit and overthink something in the hope they find that magical one solution that will, you know, make everything all right for them. You know, it's, it just keeps cropping up over and over. How do you handle yours?
1: My decision making
0: well, no, you're imposter syndrome. Do you, have, do you have imposter syndrome? Are you, are you struggling absolutely. with anything? You know, what do you struggle with as an entrepreneur? Absolutely. Yeah. So what, yeah. what goes on yeah. for you? What have you overcome?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So so just on imposter syndrome, mm. I have to remind myself what I'm good at. I have a rainy day letter. So it's, it's an accumulation of all of the things that I've achieved. And sometimes I have to read that to remind myself I've achieved good things. I do mm-hmm. know certain things. But also, in terms of imposter syndrome, my approach is (laughs) over-prepare. So if I'm doing an interview or a webinar about something, I will go to extreme lengths to read about the subject, to gel up, because I figure if if I've put as much in it as I can, then I've got to feel more confident because I feel more Uh. competent about my subject area. But if you're delivering something new, which quite often we are because we've discovered something, you just want to share it, you know, that can be that can be really daunting. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'll hold things back. I'll have a phone full of videos where I've been like, I've just read this. This is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I want to share it. And there's a part of me that holds back and says, I don't want to in case somebody challenges it and says it's absolutely wrong, Sue, or what about this? And you haven't read this book and that book. So mm-hmm. it really can be quite deliberating, debilitating. Self-doubt is without a shadow of a doubt, one of the biggest, you know, challenges that I have. And I believe many people listening probably suffer from this as well. The self-doubt though, the problem is people say it makes you play small. It really does. Because instead of coming out and showing out, showing up as who you are, everything you know, you, you show up and you kind of don't sound very certain. You sound underconfident. You're not sure. You say things like, I think, instead of, you know, confident words and confident language. Mm. And that can make people see your content and they don't buy into you either because you don't buy into yourself. I've seen this many times in, with many entrepreneurs. And the other thing that that comes up a lot is comparisonitis. We talked so, about this a lot with my my entrepreneurs group. And this idea of seeing other people's successes and how they are on their journey, how further forward they are, how they're doing, you know, seeing the vanity metrics as much as anything, putting your heart and soul into something and not seeing it pay off and then comparing yourself with somebody who's further on on their journey, who has a different set of circumstances. And when we do that, you feel, you can feel like a failure and we're focusing on the wrong things. And I no, believe I... It, it's sort of in ebbs and flows
0: just a quick break to say I am so excited to announce a brand new podcast channel to help you transform your life in ways you might not yet be able to imagine. 2023, we are kicking your ass. Now this is a channel of experimental content I know you are going to love. Now mindset change another level has exclusive Deeper Subconscious training meditations to help you upgrade your long overdue programs that are holding you back in life. You also get searchable meditations without ads, intros and outros so you can find your favorites super easily. You get access to masterminds to help take your mindset change to another level and you get to engage with me in a whole new way. And as a thank you for supporting the new channel, you get discounts from my group workshops too. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes and come and join. Oh, and feel free to come and join my WhatsApp community too. I can't wait to welcome you. With you on a couple of you know, what you just said, just said, one of the most dangerous things we can do is compare ourselves with somewhere where we're not yet. You know, so we, we might think I should be there, you know, I'd love to be where they are, mm-hmm. which just implies that where we are is the wrong place, you know, with the wrong followers, with the wrong, you know, uh, income coming in, the wrong career still. Um, and, you know, as part of Strategic Coach, we, uh, you're really encouraged to compare yourself with only yourself and how far you've come, what you've learned, how you've changed, um, how you've grown. And that's a wonderful way of beginning to get an idea of um, how confident you are, what's changing in your life. And I just wanted to ask you quickly because some people might be asking, "Oh, I love the idea of a rainy day letter, but what is it? What do you remind yourself of?" So all the good stuff. But what is yeah, what what does it look like?
1: Okay, so it's, yeah. it's basically a letter to myself that says all of the things that I've achieved. So it might be qualifications, mm-hmm. it might be the degree you did, the masters, the thing you learnt, the fact that you have healthy children, the fact that you got your first house, the fact mm-hmm. that you renovated a house. It could be absolutely anything that was hard struggle that you didn't have before that you somehow learnt or gained through going through a process of transformation and, and evolution and growth, because what we don't do, and you quite rightly said it there, we don't accept the fact that we've come a long way and we've, we've learned things. You know, if you to look back 10 years at where you were, honestly, you would then appreciate all the work you've put in and what, how it's paid off. Whereas when we're, when, like you say, when we're looking forward at the gap that we've got between where we are now and where we wanna be and somebody else who's in a different different position, we're just focusing on what we lack. And and that's probably the biggest thing, you know, for, for throughout my entrepreneurial journey, it's what did I lack? I lacked time, I lacked money, I wasn't enough, I didn't know enough, I wasn't ready. And it's all focused on the lack. And the point of the rainy day letter was to show gratitude and appreciation and celebrate the wins that every time you feel low about yourself, your self-worth, it's a reminder to yourself to read it
0: mm.
1: that you have come a long way.
0: And I you can do that. the same
1: thing again in the next 10 years.
0: Yeah, and that really is measuring your past to get an idea of how far you've come. And because we all develop amnesia towards it, isn't it? When I sit and ask clients and like, so oh, mm-hmm. just tell me some good stuff that's happened. And they're sat there kind of frozen for a moment uh, before <laughs> some things begin to kind of trickle in. Oh, yeah. I- pass that exam i got a degree i um i got married and i've got a you know beautiful child and husband all sorts of things can begin to creep in but i think having a list is so important i think it's a a great thing to do to stop you know the anxiety amnesia i call it where suddenly it's like we get that blank slate and we can just focus on i'm just not good enough i'm gonna fail
1: absolutely absolutely um, I hmm. i always think i have to come from a place of strength and when mm. you come from a pace of strength, you approach things very differently than a weak position where you don't feel enough. So to put yourself in that position of strength, what is it that makes you feel good? Is it listening to a load of really powerful music, a meditation? Is it listening to one of your best motivational speakers and then reading a journal or doing some journaling about gratitude and about reading your rainy day letter? That puts you in a position of strength and then you can face the day better.
0: I love that. I love that. I wanted to ask you, what made you decide to... what you know, what's driving you to help women in particular? Because I'm just going to, I'm going to confess something here. You help me a lot. <laughs> so uh, just for anyone listening, <laughs> yeah, Sue has changed my business like no one's business. <laughs> you know, you've, it's been incredible, uh, the work you've done for me. So I, I, I'm singing your praises left, right and center. Um, but looking at your website, looking at all your business, uh, your, your business model, it's women in particular that you tend to focus on. Um, so, so why women? What was it about that area that uh, yeah, was I guess, motivating you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I guess from coming from a mum's perspective, you know, the triggers mm. for me were having the kids, having the expectations on me that I would be a carer, that I would take on the life admin, the house responsibilities and earn money as well, because that's what a woman, a modern woman mm. does. And many modern men do that too now in relationships. So it's all about that that vision of, how can I come from a perspective where I can empathize, I can understand exactly where you're coming from? I know that when you jump on my coaching call or when you jump on, you know, we do a co-working sessions, we look at your... your- your sales funnel. I know that when you come on those sessions, you've got 50 other things on your to-do list to do because I'm a mum and I've got that pull to the washing. I've got that pull Mm. to the kitchen to do the shopping. I know I've got a school pickup soon. So I understand it. And like I say, many men are in the same position as well now. So it's not exclusive, it's actually, I work with anybody who wants to leverage their technology and online systems so that they can create a business with more time, more money and more freedom. And that is my mission and vision. I purely, I pu- purely focus a lot of my content on women because they understand and I understand the mm-hmm. position that they're in, the unique position. I'm, I'm a big listener of people like Brendan Bouchard. And, mm. you know, I can be there, you know, listen to the motivation in the car and be like, yes, I'm going to go home. I'm going to focus <laughs> on nothing else but my business and I'm going to crush it. But the reality is, I understand that many women and some men are in a position where you come home and no, you cannot just focus on your own goal. You have five other people in this household to consider, to look after, to care for, to nurture. And that's really my perspective is I appreciate this. It's nice to focus on one goal, but the reality is our lives are so busy and our expectations are so much that we have to balance it all and juggle it all. So finding time, You know, time blocks, boundaries, establishing the fact that you don't need to ask for permission. For me, it was very much in the beginning. And I find this helps so many of the people I work with to understand you do not have to go to your husband, your partner, your children, and ask for permission to do something for yourself. You can just do it. And and that, for me, was so hard in the beginning. The expectation was Sue will put the kids to bed every night. Sue will make sure the meals are planned for the week. And I'm not saying my husband doesn't do anything. This sounds really awful yeah. for him. <laughs> but... I'm saying I took that responsibility on. I took that no. role on. I even put that expectation on. And once we balance things out and said, actually, I'm busy right now. I'm doing, I've got something in the calendar. And I used to say, I just, I would like to do a podcast episode. Is that okay if I just disappear for an hour and do that? And now I say, I need to do that episode. I'm doing it at 10 o'clock. You're having the kids. We can go out. We can do whatever. I've done breakfast, whatever. Mm. It, it's that. I stop, you stop asking for permission. You start doing it really it's just that, that i resonate with so many women for that okay. reason and i probably resonate with men who feel that they've juggling especially modern men who want to be active fathers or active mm-hmm. in their family or the relationship they're in they probably also feel the push pull of oh, i need to be over here and the guilt and um, mm-hmm. i understand that i just understand that
0: yeah i i absolutely love that i know that you, i know that you work with with men as well but obviously your your site is geared towards women and obviously it's something that you know people can really relate to you because of 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 your history your backstory with that why do you think women in general are struggling to make the leap to be an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. what is it that you think what's the number one block that says so you get this woman she's sat there she's got she's got a big dream inside she wants to do something which could be life-changing for herself but what do you think stops that step forward taking that big risk
1: it is that self belief that's at yeah. the fundamental core of it but it starts with a committed decision i believe for me yeah. i made a committed decision when i got pregnant with my son my third son for me that was okay this, this is this is the this is the point of no return this is when i when you go all in and you stop having one foot in each camp because you're trying to please everybody else and you're trying to do your thing. You cannot please everybody. At some point, you've got to accept that you live your life for yourself. Yes, the self-doubt. Yes, I might fail. But at some point, you've got to make that committed decision. Now, I remember when um, I picked up the phone off the side to ring the midwife to book my first appointment, I was in a state of shock, but also excitement. I'm going to have my uh, another baby. But this envelope sort of toppled over. And on the back of it, I'd written this quote that was from some webinar I'd been in. And it said, nothing will change until you do. At that uh, point, I knew I had to make a committed decision. I had to go all in and I had to, I had to do the work. I had to go, right. Okay. That's my old identity. This is my new one. Mm-hmm. And for ages, I would say, okay, I'm a head of data. And that status felt good. When people asked me what I did for a living, I, I clung on to that identity. Like that's who I was. And at mm-hmm. that point I said, no, I'm not anymore. I'm an entrepreneur and this is what I can do for you. And from then on, I took everything as a, okay, we're changed now. Sue. we're not that person we're a new person. We're going to be a mum of three. We're building this business. We're not half, half half guessing it, half trying it. We're going all in. We're making a committed decision. Yes, it's going to be hard. Yes, you're going to fail. You've read all the stuff. You know people fail. You know all the stories about the founder of KFC getting thousand rejections. You know about Walt Disney's story. You yeah. know about Steve Jobs being sacked. Why are you so scared of just starting a little business that you're gonna get going just to fund your family and, and leave the corporate job. So I believe that committed decision we're scared of because we're scared of the, that we've got the self-doubt, we're scared of what can go wrong, we're scared of failure. But I believe that you have to make that committed decision. It's incredibly okay. important. There's, there's this um, story that Tony Robbins always tells about burning the ships so that you can't escape the war you land on an <laughs> island with your with your crew and you burn the ship and the only option now is to win the war win the battle on the island and I you know I used to always say never burn bridges keep you know options open and I'm not saying go and stick two fingers up at your boss or anything like that I'm saying <laughs> mentally mentally shift your capacity to say that was that phase and season of my life This is my new season of life. And if you really want to be an entrepreneur, you really want to build a business for yourself, you know you've got that potential, you feel like you're not meeting it, you know you've got more purpose inside you, you're not using it, then you have to make that committed decision first. And don't look back. What we do is we course correct every time something doesn't work, but we don't go back on that decision.
0: I love that. I absolutely love what you've just said. It's very passionate. Um, and I hope it's inspiring a lot of people listening to this. And what what three pieces of advice would you give to someone who's thinking, "Yes, I, I'm up for this. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this," but where do I start? You know. <laughs>
1: Cool. So the first thing is, you'll have read this a thousand times. You have to actually know what your goal is, what your dream life looks like. You have to imagine it. You have to you have to, me- you have to, meditate on it. You have to visualize it, but you have to really think about what that entails. And the reason I know it's so incredibly important is my dream life was, I'm going to be happy when I have a head of data role. When I'm a leader, I will all of a sudden have all this time, all this money, and I'll feel content and happy and fulfilled. It didn't happen because i was i was chasing some arbitrary goal that somebody else externally in the world around me was projecting on me or that i thought i should be doing so your dream life set it out from day one what are your values what matters to you and i i had to do over and over i had to do a vision board my first vision board had like ferraris on and massive houses <laughs> and all these material things yeah. and as my as my vision board evolved it had the kids on and a beach because when i started to meditate and think about happy moments you realize that being by the sea, playing with the kids, the time, the family time, the vision, the, the vision that when they're 21 years old, they're going to come home and sit with us. So I would like you as a listener to think about what your dream life look like and make sure it aligns with your values. And that's the first step to anything. And, and write it out, journal it out, and then visualize it and keep doing it because it evolves. It changes as you mm, start to realize it what brings you joy. Yeah, it's, it's such a valuable thing. Okay, so the second thing that you need to do is you need to know that you've got to change your identity. And changing your identity means working on your mindset. So listening to all the great stuff on this podcast and growing that. And you need to know that that's uncomfortable. So I find it really powerful to sort of write out three statements that suggest who I am. So I have a little notebook, and at the top, we do this probably once every 90 days. We write, I am. And it's like three words that describe who you are. I am charismatic. I am capable. I am determined. And you can Mm. even ask other people. We did an exercise in the group where we asked each other, when you see me, how would you describe me? And people were like, I see you as confident. I see you as determined. I see you as committed. Mm. And we we sort of onboarded those onto our identities and said, I like that. I don't think I'm that, but I like it, and I want to be that. So once you have that powerful statement, I am remarkable, is is, um, a strategy that Google use. So your I am statement is your identity. And that's that's the second step. Mm -hmm. And then the third step is figuring out, Okay, so I want to become an entrepreneur. I want to build something good. But what what am I actually going to start doing? And it might be that you've already got a business and you need to evolve that into something that you're passionate about. But here's what I say when it comes to this. Just brainstorm. Get a a brainstorm of ideas in the start in the in the middle of the page. And from each of the sides, just draw out all the things you're passionate about, all the things you're interested in, and all the things you have some knowledge and skills about. What you'll do as you're doing this is you start to realize there's some areas I really like. So for me, I'm big into parenting because I have kids and I want to be a good parent. So I read Mm -hmm. a lot about positive parenting, but I'm not an expert in it. I very quickly realized I exhausted all of my expertise on parenting with that brainstorm so I cross that out I'm interested it's a hobby it's something I'm going to read about check your podcast check the books you listen to what do you binge on all of Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff builds this picture of what you're passionate about And I believe contrary to some people passion is incredibly important when you are building a lifestyle business because when the days are hard when you don't want to be doing something the best thing you can do is just consume some content about your topic and if that's the stuff you're passionate about anyway it will revive Mm -hmm. you because that's the thing you wanna do. And when the days are hard, you need, you don't wanna be pushing a boulder up a mountain. You want it to, to just be rolling down with you. So that's what I believe. And then when you've done that, there's like this um, Venn diagram that talks about what is actually marketable, what can I have a business in? And you've got to look at your mm. passions and interests, your skills and strengths, your natural unique ability, if you're a reader of the 10X book, And then you've got another circle, which is the market demand. It might be that there isn't a market demand for what you want to do, or it might be that it's so niche. Actually, it's going to accelerate because you can stand out from the crowd. And that's where you really start to assess, okay, which of these business ideas am I going to start to take forward and give some real effort and focus to? And the key thing is you've got to give it over six months before you can categorically say, this is not working.
0: Yeah, I love that advice. Thank you so much for that. I hope that's inspiring a lot of people listening to this Um, and it's interesting isn't it that you talk about um, you know list your passions and your interests and then you talk about well actually what if there's no market at all for what you're passionate about so is one of the worst pieces of advice we could give to someone is to follow your passion.
1: Oh, Good question. So when it comes to following your passion, or whether it comes to doing that, Mm. the question is, yes, is there a market for it? There are some passions that should just be hobbies, hobbies, because you stop enjoying them when you start being paid for them as well. The question more is more, what are you trying to build? So when we talked about that dream life, that goal, is it something where you need to earn hundreds of thousands, millions of pounds? Is it something where you, you would like a small income? You know, I know somebody who makes unique pottery from their garden. They make this unique pottery. It fills them up. They do the incredible creative pieces. They, they do not have a seven-figure business. They're not planning on scaling to a seven-figure business. But that passion gives them an income and gives them the freedom to explore their hobby, their art, artistic and creative talents that they want as a family. So there is an element of no, don't always follow your passion, but it comes back around to what is your dream life? What is your goal? And for many of us, because of the world we live in, money is an essential tool, but there are other ways to make money. So it might be that your entrepreneurial journey is doing something that you're quite passionate and creative about, but that on on a side note, you've got other investments that supplement that. So I'm thinking about people who invest in property. I'm thinking about people who invest in stocks and shares, and that supplements their income from their passionate hobby. Uh, it really depends on that goal.
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, it's one of these things which you we're bombarded with this message: follow your passion. And it's quite clear sometimes that if there's no market for your passion, then that wouldn't be the best advice. And sometimes I was talking to someone uh, this week, and their passion is this form of art, which is uh, quite very, very niche. Uh, It's like sound art. Um, So they love doing it, but they know that they can't make any money from it. So they make sure that they do it in their part-time. And in the daytime, they they enjoy a job. It's lovely for them. And it gives them the income to explore whatever they want for the rest of their life. Um, So is there any other pieces of bad advice that you think... uh, entrepreneurs here and can fall victim to?
1: Yeah, so probably the the big thing is when you see these adverts, when you see these webinars, they're all about quick fixes. They're all about hacks. They're Mm. all about doing something quickly. And one of the things that that does is it creates this urgency that you feel I can make 10K months in 30 days. I can have 10 new clients by the end of this week. All I need to do is part with a great chunk of money and I can do this too. The reality is most of those gurus that you're following, those seven-figure, eight-figure businesses, those people advertising, the sponsored ads, They have been doing this for years. They have been honing their skills, building their audience. They have been carving out their niche. They have been building credibility for many years. And the fact is you're looking at a sponsored ad. If you ever want to see how long have they been running for, how long before they achieve their seven and eight figures, quite often what you'll find is it's much longer because there's always this upfront work. And the other mistake that I see really common is people building something before they even have an audience. I did this with my first business. When I started Empowered Leaders in Tech, I spent months recording these videos that talk people through the interview process and how to give a good interview before I even asked people, so what's your biggest struggle with? What help do you need in an interview? Before I even had an audience that came to any of my lives or my meetups. Now, the thing is, when we build something, we A, haven't got any feedback, so we don't know what the client really wants, but B, you've invested a load of time, money, and energy into something that could just get shelved and put in the bin, because by the time you have got an audience and are ready to sell, what they want is actually a lot easier for you to deliver than you think. Mm -hmm. Quite often, a lot of these things can be delivered live, in the moment, and then you learn from that experience what you might be able to package up and resell or give access to and replays and all the rest of it. So always build something after you've built your audience and you know what they want. Start with the audience and always remember that it is a long game. And that That idea of getting a big dopamine hit from a big sale earlier on is really, really rare. In fact, most of your first clients will be people you know and not necessarily people that you've done a big launch to, to hardly any audience on social media. It's chances are it's people you're connected with. Never underestimate, even though we're in an online world, never underestimate the offline connections, the networking, the value of your community and the fact that people are stepping away from the computers a lot more. I am going to the gym. I am, You are going to a cafe. You are seeing people out at the hairdressers now. You are starting to engage in crafts and skills. That artist that you talked about, maybe they could do workshops and other people would really enjoy using their hands and go to those workshops. And that's one way of getting his art scene, but also another way of sort of monetizing the skill and the passion that that person has. So it's thinking more creatively and knowing that it, it is a slow burn. It's, it mm. is hard work. No one said it was yeah. easy. Eventually you will get more time because you'll get to choose when you do the work. And that was the key thing for me, choosing around my children, around my family, when do I get to do the work?
0: That is such great advice. Really love it. I could talk to you all day, but we're coming to the end of our interview.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Thank you. What, you know, what would be one thing that's inspired you the most? What's inspired you the most that keeps you going you know like a quote or a book what's something that's just giving you that light bulb moment to help you keep moving you keep moving you forward
1: yeah so for me um Mm -hmm. i mean you recommend some fantastic books on this podcast already and we talked about 10x and these Mm -hmm. are great books for me it all hinges around identity it, yeah. it, it hinges around who is my ideal future self and who have I become? Because you reach a point in your career or your, your business or anything like that where you say, how did I create this? What have I become? Is there more to life than this? And you've got to look inwardly. And for me, I have this quote on the wall that I find really inspiring and, and picks me up, makes me makes me bring my A game. And it just says, um, it says, who, how would the person you would like to be do what you were about to do?
0: Oh, I love that. I can't
1: claim credit to it.
0: No, (laughs) but but it's a good... Yeah.
1: It it just, it gets you in that frame of mind. If I'm bringing my A game, what does that person do? Yeah, I'm not that person yet, but why can't I start to act like that person? Why can't I start to say, you know what? This person shows up for this client. They're listening. They're going to be taking on board everything you're saying. And instead of feeling self-doubt, feeling, okay, what have I got in my toolkit I can help this person with? because all of a sudden the focus is on what would that person do? And, and you act, you step into those shoes, act it before you become it almost. Beyonce Knowles has this um, alter ego that when she shows up on stage, she steps into the, her shoes and she performs like Beyonce. But behind the scenes, she's a much quieter, more introverted person. Most of us as entrepreneurs are probably like that. I'm mm. hiding now behind a laptop. But when you show up on camera, it's, how does that person show up? What are you going to bring mm. to the table? So I yeah. find that a very powerful, inspiring question to ask yourself. And I have it on my wall as a reminder.
0: I love that. I really do connect with the future self stuff. That changed my life. And uh, yeah, it's to uh, say the Benjamin Hardy book, uh, Be Your Future Self Now, isn't it? It's that cultivating the identity in the here and now and not waiting to become that person. You know, but that, you you know, that identity that you're imagining in the future isn't the identity you'll end up being. Because what we don't know, um, you know, you know, we'll we'll change as we go along. And suddenly we'll have new resources, new information that creates a different identity as we evolve. Um, Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been amazing having you here. Thank this has you. been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed listening to your points of view. And uh, where can people find you, Sue? See if they want to get in contact and discover more about your coaching programs and, and your work.
1: Absolutely. So you can take a listen to the Lifestyle Entrepreneur Show. I would be very grateful if you would do that and pop me a DM on Instagram. It's I am Sue Parker. I would love to know what is stopping you in your entrepreneurial journey. I am on a mission to help people find their time freedom to overcome the obstacles. And if it's the tech and the tactical, we can help you. And if it's not, then we can get experts in to help you on the show and to help you more with overcoming those because I believe that all of us can build our dream life if we get over our obstacles, our blockers?
0: Yeah, I I think that one thing just to add, those blocks and obstacles can be wonderful things to help us grow. You know, sometimes people are frightened of that imposter syndrome or their anxiety or, you know, that fear of failure. But I also see it as an an opportunity to grow, to to let go of something that we've been holding on to so that we can begin to move forward.
1: Absolutely. No, it's a really good perspective.
0: Right. Thank you very much, Sue. I hope you have a incredible day. And thank you to everyone listening. And I hope we all connect together. Thank
1: you, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening to the Mindset Change podcast. I hope you got a lot from my conversation with Sue. If you need to reach out to either of us, our details are indeed in the show notes. Please feel free to also come and say hello to my WhatsApp community, Mindset Change, where Sue is also a member. I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode. Remember to stay awake, stay aware, and I hope you have the most incredible day.